I was not more than six years old when my mother lifted me up so that I could reach into the open casket and touch my great-aunt Ruth's stiff, dead hand. As a farm kid, I had seen dead animals before, but never a dead person. Seeing my aunt could have been a scary thing. Human death might have been something that my parents shielded me from. But my parents did not fear death and knew that I should not fear it either. I had known my great-aunt Ruth all of my life. Why would I also not know her in death? So without a word, my mother lifted me in her arms and held me close to the open casket until my six-year-old self was satisfied. I cried a little, knowing that I would not see my aunt again, but I was not scared. My family was Christian, Presbyterian to be exact. I knew that my Aunt Ruth was no longer in her body. At six years old, I was confident that she was with Jesus in heaven, and that gave me great comfort. This certainty allowed me to accept her death, and it also helped me say goodbye. Forty years later, my relationship with death has not changed much. What has changed is my life experience and my theology. I've seen a lot more death since my great-aunt's funeral. I've had friends who have died far too soon from AIDS. I have known teenagers who have taken their own lives. And cancer has claimed more friends and family members than I would like to admit. Death for me is not some remote possibility, nor is it some ghoul that slinks around behind me. Rather, death is the very thing that reminds me every single day to seek the good, the true, and the beautiful. My Unitarian Universalist theology helps me face death with grace and courage, The holy mystery in which I put my faith refuses to let me brush death off as something with an otherworldly solution, nor does it allow death to have the last word. I do not know what will happen to me after I die, but I am sure that nothing bad awaits me. I believe that I will return to whatever source I came from, and this comforts me. We are lucky, each of us, to belong to a faith community that faces death squarely and is not afraid to talk about it. We are so very fortunate to sit in this place, a place where many of our own memorial services will happen, to sit in this place and to be able to feel here the full spectrum of life and death. What other place allows the very young to know the very old? What other place reminds us week after week that how we live our lives really does matter? What other place is so interested to hear about the fullness of our lives, the joys and the sorrows 
the triumphs, and the defeats. What uh, What other place is better equipped to see us through our last days and then to minister to our families and our friends after we have died? This church is a living, breathing miracle. It is a miracle in large part because it takes seriously both life and death. In our increasingly secular society, I meet more and more unchurched people whose lives seem to be going along just fine, so they think, until someone close to them dies. Then, all of a sudden, they need a minister. All of a sudden, the church has something to offer them. Suddenly, they want to be part of a congregation, if only for an hour or so, that will comfort them in their sorrow and reassure them that life still has meaning. These unchurched folks are quite awkward when they meet with me. They have little idea of what a memorial service is or even how to approach one. They feel self-conscious sitting with their families in the front of the church during the service, and they are invariably touched by the genuine concern that church members and I give them in their time of grief. But do they think, wow, I could have had this level of connection and comfort all along? I suspect not. For the truth is, we live in a culture that does its very best to distract us from death. Our culture celebrates youth and beauty and vitality. It is full of messages that tell us that we need not think about that inevitable future of ours. We need not think about our own decline, decay, and death. Advertising yells at us, Live for today. Enjoy yourself. Get whatever you can. You've got all the time in the world. Meanwhile, people die in hospitals and nursing homes. Meanwhile, people die too young from violence, poverty, alcoholism, and obesity. The church can bravely counter advertising's seductive lies. It can honestly proclaim things like, Live as if you were dying. Love is more important than things. Turn your life around, and you are not alone. Now those are the things that I need to hear week after week. How about you? Matt Fitzgerald, who's the senior pastor of St. Paul's United Church of Christ in the Lincoln Park neighborhood of Chicago, writes the following on an essay on grief. He says, I see a difference between the grief of active churchgoers and the pain of those who stay away. Everyone hurts, of course. But when death comes for a family member, there's often a sturdiness, a resiliency, and a healthy sort of acceptance in the eyes of those who have baked cookies to serve at a memorial service, who have sung hymns at funerals of old saints, who have sat down, surprised to see an empty spot in the pew 
where a friend from a church committee had worshipped only weeks before. He says, Churchgoers have grieved before. They've already felt death's sting. We could learn a lot about living from the Buddhist practice of contemplating our own deaths. And what better time to start this practice than during a season when the trees are shedding their leaves and little graveyards are springing up in people's front yards (laughs) and parties invite you to celebrate by uh, wearing a costume and, and being something ghostly or macabre. What better time than Halloween to actually take seriously the contemplation of your own death. And lest you worry that you have mistakenly wandered into some grim church service designed to make you feel depressed and scared, let me tell you about what the Buddhists do because it is not scary at all and it works. The core teachings of the Buddha show that craving and attachment are the root of all suffering. And what greater form of attachment could there be than wanting your life to go on and on and on without end? Naturally, the way to detach from life and to alleviate suffering is to think regularly about your own death Buddhist teacher V.F. Guranatha explains, It is the contemplation of death that helps to destroy the infatuation of sense pleasure. It's the contemplation of death that destroys vanity. It is the contemplation of death that gives balance and a healthy sense of proportion to our highly overwrought minds with their misguided sense of values. He goes on to say, It is the contemplation of death that gives strength and steadiness and direction to the erratic human mind, now wandering in one direction, now in another, without aim and without purpose. It is not for nothing that the Buddha has, in the very highest terms, commended to his disciples the practice of mindfulness regarding death. One who wants to engage in this practice must at stated times and also every now and then revert to the thought, death will take place. How might you gently make your own this Buddhist practice of contemplating your own death? How might you live each day more mindfully by contemplating your own demise. I practice this practice, and I recommend it to you. Taking a moment or two every day to remind myself that I am mortal has made my own life much richer. Recognizing that this could be my last day alive, I mean this day, this Sunday, October 27th, could be my last day alive, has made me take far less for granted. Knowing that I will die defenseless and cared for by others has made me more patient and compassionate. 
thinking about my own death has made me grateful for each and every day. How might you make this practice your own? I know it sounds odd to say, but I like doing memorial services. Probably only a minister that could get away with saying that so close to Halloween. As a minister, I know the value of gathering to remember someone and to say goodbye to him or her. I also think that everyone deserves a good send-off. Because we have made some degree of peace with death, Unitarian Universalist ministers do some of the best memorial services, some of the most honest memorial services. I believe that it is precisely the ambiguity that we are required to hold that allows us to remember a person's life well. At a memorial service, we, the minister and congregation, literally stand between the world of the living and the world of the dead. At a memorial service, we talk about a man or a woman, a boy or a girl who has died, but who is still very present to us. We talk about the person's life. We laugh and cry as stories come, about, come out about the person who has died. We all know the person is dead, but we want a public chance to think of him or her as alive again. People at memorial services often get their verb tenses mixed up. They'll say something like, Lydia is a wonderful mother, rather than Lydia was a wonderful mother. This is so very human and so very necessary. Memorial services, after all, are for the living as much as they are for the dead. In my mind, I can see my great Aunt Ruth's face just as clearly as I could see it when I was six years old. I see her smile and her blue flower print dress and her curly white hair and those wonderfully kind of flabby cheeks that a six-year-old is just enamored with. In this way, I know that she is not gone, but lives on in my memory. There could be more, than of, more of her essence left than just my memory, but I cannot say for certain. Neither can I say with any certainty that she simply does not exist anymore. The best I can do is hold on to my faith that death is not final and that love is more powerful than the grave. The best I can do is live with the knowledge that in life we cannot know death completely. The best I can do is trust that I will follow her wherever she has gone and that I will find there peace and wholeness. Poet Wendell Berry says, Whatever happens, those who have learned to love one another have made their way to the lasting world and will not leave, no matter what happens. Unitarian Universalism helps us reconcile death's finality. 
Because we don't need to worry about what happens after death, we can focus on the here and the now. We can meet people where they are. We can work for a better world in this life. When we find people in grief, we can offer words of hope and comfort. At memorial services, we can remember people well and then let them go. It is in loving relationship, in community, that we can transcend death, even our own. Let us live by this truth and be glad. So be it.